0: As you're grabbing your seat sitting down, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 16. That's going to be our passage this morning, Acts 16. We're continuing our series through the book of Acts, and our sub-series right now is called For the Good of the Church. And the title of this sermon is focusing on how to live a missional life. How to live a missional life. We're actually going to be getting eyes on the Apostle Paul and a group of men who have decided to live missionally. Um, Now that's a term that I want to kind of unpack for you all this morning uh, before we get too far into it. Does anybody know what that term means, to live a missional life? Raise your hand if you know what that means, missional life. I'm not going to call on you or anything, but I'm just going to see Okay. All right. So missional life. I I did not grow up in church, so this was a very weird term for me. I didn't understand what that meant until somebody explained it to me. But the idea of living a missional life is living in such a way that you are passionately committed to your whole life to living to make disciples for Christ. Like, that's why you exist. Like, that's the whole reason why you have the job that you have. That's the whole reason why you're in the neighborhood you're in. Like, your life orbits around this calling uh, to live a missional life, to make disciples for Christ. That's what it means to live missionally. Now, some of you are, are kind of in the room. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing. Or maybe you're kind of uh, just asking questions about Christianity. That's why you're here. I'm so glad that you are here. But hear me when I say this. There's a reason why we are so mad about the gospel, why we're so excited about living a missional life. It's because this message that we're talking about is a message of hope. It's a message of freedom. It's a message of forgiveness. Um, And this is what's so cool about it. When everyone is born in the world, we all are born as rebels in this world. We, re- we naturally rebel against God, um, against what he says is right, what he says is holy. Like, did anybody ever teach you how to lie? Come on, did anybody ever teach you how to lie? Nobody taught you that. Uh, nobody taught me how to steal bubble gum from my mom's purse and get whooped for it. Nobody taught me that. I just had it in me. We are natural born rebels. Um, and the consequence of that rebellion, the Bible says God told us that it's, it's death. God has to punish our rebellion with death. Um, You will have to die because of your rebellion. And it's not just talking about a present physical death. He's also talking about an eternal, forever separation from God. That's wrath. And when you're separated from God, who is light, who is holy, who is right, it's miserable. It's, It's torture. And that's what God says, I have to do. I have to punish this rebellion in you, and I have to separate you for eternity. You have to die for that. Um, the good news is that Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world, yo. All right? He shows up on scene, and the whole purpose of why he came into this world as the Son of God is so that he can rescue us from the wrath that we deserve. So the Bible says, that he. you ever know? You know the crucifixion, right? He dies on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? He's dying in our place. He came in the world, lived a sinless, perfect, holy life, and says, I will go to the cross for you in a great exchange. You give me your rebellion and your sin, and I will step into your place and endure the full wrath of God that you deserve. And then I will give you all, not excluding any, of my righteousness and my holiness. So when the Father looks at you, he sees me. That is why we're so crazy about the gospel. That's good news. And by the way, what all you have to do in order to experience this, the Bible says you have to believe in your heart that, yeah, that's true. I believe that God did that for me. And you ask Jesus, God, will you take my place? Make it personal. Lord, I need you to take my place for my rebellion so that I can be with you and have a relationship with you forever. And you're adopted into his family now. Now, some of you in the room right now, you've never done that well, let's do it before I even get to the prayer part or before we even get into the passage. No delay, let's do that. Um, And all you have to do is just ask the Lord for that salvation and he'll give it to you. It's such a beautiful thing. And then you are adopted into his family and he never abandons his children. We're gonna see that in the text in just a minute. So that's what's so awesome about the gospel. But let's talk about those of us in this room who've been living this Christian life for a little bit. Um, and And we notice that there's a gap. Like we know that we're supposed to live out the mission of God. Um, For instance, Jesus, before he went to heaven, what did he tell the disciples and those following him? He said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Like That's the command that Jesus gave us. But let's be honest. There's a gap. We don't always live like that. Do you? No one does, right? There's a problem. All of us have to admit that. So what do we do when we try to live this missional life? We're engaged in this life. But then we start telling people about Jesus, our family members, trying to share this good news, neighbors, friends, uh, people we know. And then all we have, uh, we come across these, um, we'll call them roadblocks. In fact, you might see a sign like this, this proverbial sign, as you uh, start sharing the gospel with people. You ever been there? Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? The road close. You can't go. That's a no-go zone. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Don't bring it up at work um, or in your family. And so what do you do when you have this kind of an encounter? Um, for those of us who live in Greenwood, unfortunately, these signs are becoming all too familiar to us. It um, seems like every time, every time you turn a corner, there's that stinking sign again. Um, but, hey, what's so cool is there's three different, pi- there are three different types of people in this room. I'm going to categorize you guys, so don't be offended. Um, so there's the first person, when you see that sign, um, your, your tendency is you, know, you look to the left, you look to the right, you observe all your surroundings, make sure there's no Jason Beck around, you know, no police officers. Um, and then... You make your move, right? You go, 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 move out, move out. And you, you know, figure out how to get through the, uh, the construction zone. And the guys are driving the tractors. like, what? The, are you serious right now? You know, that's your play. Um, raise your hand if that's you. Just be honest. That's you. Okay. Bunch of rebels, man. I'm telling you. Okay. Now, there's, there's all the people in here who would say, you see that sign? You're just worshiping Jesus in the car. You know, everything's great. Yeah. The character trait that would define you is patience, right? So you're just, everything is awesome, right? You, you pull up the sign. You see this sign. Your tendency is... Yeah, I think God's protecting me. I'm gonna turn around and drive uh, back the the direction I came from, and I'm just gonna I'm just trusting the Lord. He's so good. Now that's that's awesome. And I'm not gonna have you raise your hand, but I'm trying to get there. I'm not there yet. Um, but that uh, there's a third category, and I would say I'm in this category. You see the sign. Your tendency is um, your creative ingenuity kicks into high gear, like that that adventure child that uh, that is in all of us, right? He comes alive. Like all right. There's an adventure ahead. Let's figure this out. Uh, we can figure out let's five minutes to figure out how to best navigate this right. Get on the other side as quickly as possible, not lose any time, and beat the people home. Like, that's you. Um, raise your hand if that's you. Just curious. All right, that's okay. I'm not alone. Regardless of who you are, regardless of who you are, no matter who is in this room, when you have plans in your life and they get frustrated, um, you are typically frustrated. Um, in fact, the passage we're getting ready to get into in just a second here, We're going to see the apostle Paul endeavoring to live this missional life, but then God is the one who closes the door on his plans. He wants to share the gospel with people, but God is closing the door that he can't go into these people's lives and share the gospel there. What do you do when that happens? Um, How do you respond when that happens? In fact, Paul, we're going to see he makes three pivotal decisions that I want to pull out from the text and then help us apply to our lives today. I want you to see three decisions that he makes that actually strengthens his resolve to live a missional life. It doesn't make him discouraged. It doesn't frustrate him to where he quits, packs up, and goes home. It actually strengthens his resolve, and he presses even further into this missional life. That's what we need to do um, because we're going to come across these roadblock signs. Um, And when we we experience those moments, the decisions that we make in that moment— will make all the difference of whether or not we're gonna press on and live this missional life. So, you ready to pray? Let's pray, get in the text. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we humble our hearts before you right now. We ask that you would speak clearly to us through your word. Um, We want Jesus to make us uh, more obedient followers of Christ. And I pray for those who are in this room right now who've never trusted you as their savior. And maybe this was the very first time that they've ever heard this good news that you want to have a relationship with them. You can right all the wrongs in their life. You can forgive them of their guilt and their shame. You can give them a new start. That's what you wanna do for them. And I pray that all of us would bow our hearts before you with humble adoration this morning and ask that you would speak to us and transform our lives and ignite and awake our hearts for a hunger to live missionally for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's get there. Um, we're gonna pick up in verse six. Um, and as you are aware, last week, if you were here last week, we finished uh, at the end of verse number five. And Paul, the apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silas have been on a circuit route, revisiting all the churches that have been previously planted. And they're giving them just some, the good news that they don't have to necessarily uh, follow the Jewish customs. They just need to love Jesus um, pursue unity um, and, and love their brothers. Like, that's basically what it comes down to. So he's sharing this news. You don't have to, you know, follow the Jewish customs. All of them just love the Lord and love each other. So we're picking up, after they visited all the churches now, now Paul begins to turn his sights elsewhere. And it says in verse number six, and they went through the region of Phrygia, Are you saying it Italian, Phrygia. I'm just, uh, okay. Um, Galatia, I just totally made it up. It's not how you say it in Italian. Um <laughs> So um, in Galatia, and now listen to this. Having been, what's the word there, church? Forbidden. So they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What? What does that mean? Well, let's keep reading. Let's find out, maybe give some context. Verse 7. And when they had come to Mysia, come up to Mysia, uh, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the spirit of Jesus, what's the next three words? Did not allow them that's what it says he did not allow them. okay let's pause for just a minute i me give you some information you're gonna to want to know so here we got the apostle Paul Timothy and Silas they know that they just visit all these churches things are going great now they have their hearts on fire let's continue to share this good news of Jesus with everyone we can talk to let's go to the bigger cities like there's a, a lot of big cities down south in Asia let's go down there And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbid them to enter into Asia to speak the word. Like, when you read Matthew chapter 28, right, and Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense why God would say, no, 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 don't go to Asia. Okay, we won't go south, God, so we'll go north. Let's go to Bithynia. we've already gone east. Let's go south. We can't go south. Let's go north, Bithynia, and God does the same thing. God closes the door on them. And, and, and what Paul does in that moment is what I want you to, I want to highlight to you today. In that moment, when you're trying to share the gospel with people, a friends, loved ones, or neighbors, and they, you experience that slamming of the door. And what I love about this, by the way, God doesn't tell us how they, or what happened that they knew um, uh, that God closed the door. Like, what did God do to say, no, you can't go there? Or was it like a weird vision? Or was it some weird conversation that they had? We don't know. The only thing we know for sure is that they experienced a slammed door. And mark my words, you too will experience a slammed door when you're trying to live missionally. But what he does is outright astounding and encouraging to us and what I want us to catch this morning. So this is your first point in your notes, if you're taking notes. When God closes a door, don't force it open. When God closes a door, a gospel opportunity that you have planned out here, um, and he closes it on your face, don't open it. Don't force it open. Now, where, what am I talking about here? What's, what's so stunning about this verse is that in verse number eight, look at what he did. The, the choice that they made. Okay, they can't go south and share the gospel of those people for some weird reason. I don't have that figured out. And I can't go north and share the gospel to those people up there um, for some weird reason. So I'm the only other place I can go is west. Go west, young man. Anyway, so they went west. Um, and that's what they did. So look at verse number eight. So passing by Mizia, they went down to Troas. Such an un, unconvincing verse, but yet such a well, an inconspicuous verse. Let's, let's use that term. That phrase is such. It, it, it doesn't even do it justice. If you actually study the, the geography here, let me show you this map. This is an interesting map. All right, so this is where they were. So these are all the churches that they visited and uh, encouraged the people, uh, just, you know, loving on the people. Then God says they see the opportunity to go share the gospel. Here's Asia down south. Then God said, no, you can't go there. And then there's Bithynia up north. They can't go there. So look at how far they had to travel to Troas to get to the west. What? It's over 250 miles, guys. Like you don't, you don't see that in the text unless you have a map out in front of you. So, like, when God tells you, or or when God allows doors to close when you're trying to witness to people, um, like, how do you keep going? Like, why would you, you know, how do you keep moving from that? You see in the map that you saw, 250 miles, they didn't have, you know, 2018 Ford Mustang GT convertibles. They had, like, Pedro Martinez, left foot, right foot. That's all they had. And dirty sandals. So, what do you do, you know, when that happens? How do you... What keeps you motivated? In fact, let me show you a snapshot of what the actual travel terrain would have looked like for them. I mean, this is it. Like mountainous desert is what it is. It's a, in fact, the actual etymology, the word, a Hebrew term for uh, uh, the land of mizia it means land of misery. Land of misery. Well, how appropriate for the name mizia, you know. So let me ask you, you know, you're, when you share the gospel with coworkers or friends and you slam door, Slam door. I don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, if you force the door open, um, or let's say, let's say this, you're, you're trying to share the gospel with uh, people on Facebook or something, they, then all of a sudden you start getting unfriended requests. You know, people just dis- ditch you on, on Facebook. Or, or maybe you have that planned lunch that you have uh, figured out to go to with a coworker that you're going to share the gospel with, and then they cancel on you. Like, what do you do? Like, do you force the conversation? Have you ever done that before? Yeah? Like, you just, we're not canceling lunch, man. I got something important to tell you. You need to go to lunch with me. Is that the play? Or, or like, you know, your, parent, your family members are avoiding you as you share the gospel with them, and, and you just go, no, you pursue them with aggression. You need to hear this. Like, if you don't listen, you're going to die and go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. Like, but, you know, I, I personally made this mistake. Because you, t- your honest heart is you love these people. You don't want them to experience God's wrath. And so you now you're in this tension point of, what do I do when it doesn't make sense? I'm getting these closed doors, and I, I just want these people to know Jesus. How do I respond? Well, the typical response would be discouragement. In fact, I'm going to show you three. I want to sh- just encourage you with this. This is encouragement to me. We can even see it in the text. Uh, three mission-critical truths that I want you to remember when you're in moments like that. When you're trying to share the gospel with friends, neighbors, loved ones, because you are so passionate about telling people about Jesus, three mission critical truths to remember. Number one, God has called me. That's so important to remember. That. Think about this. Paul, Sil- Silas, and Timothy had to travel now 250 miles in the land of misery. Don't you think for a second that Satan was going to be all over them, like white on rice? Like, let me just t- ripping up them. You, you idiots! You idiots! You, you should have went to Bithynia. How do you know God told you not to go there? You just should have gone there. Why are you traveling? You're in the middle of knowing. And you know what? So in verse 8, is it, does it ever mention one time that one person was led to Jesus? No. This 250-mile hike, which probably took several, several weeks, um, not one person was saved that we know of. Not one church was started. Timothy, right? I thought we were going to be starting churches, man. Come on. I thought we were going to be seeing people saved and, and miracles and healings and, like, we're in the desert, man, right? But sometimes that's what God does. God will close, he'll allow doors to close, and sometimes he himself will close doors just so that you, he can get you to exactly where he wants you to be. And this first mission, critical truth, you've got to know when those accusations come your way, you're a, you're a loser, you're a failure, you are a mess up, Every time you try to share the gospel, you're stumbling over your words. You don't even know what you're saying. Just stop. Just stop. Am I not telling the truth right now? Do you not experience that? Everyone does. It is, who, who is the father known as the accuser? Satan is. That's what Satan's name means. He's the accuser of the brothers. He's going to try to convince you that you're a loser, that you can't share the gospel. You don't have what it takes. You don't... You are a fat hypocrite. Look at you, trying to lead your family in devotions, and you just cussed at work? Come on, are you serious right now? Okay, do not listen to the enemy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And if you, how tempting it is for us to listen, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should just shut up and curl up and and just let the play happen, right? Such a bad move. Know this, God has called you. You belong to him. He has saved you, and he saved you because he, and he's setting you apart for this reason. That's why when you, when you got saved, he didn't take you to heaven right away because he's got a mission that he wants you to fulfill. He's got people he wants you to talk to. You are the remedy. God wants you to speak your words to these people. Don't listen to the accusations. You are called. A great verse to write down for this, just on the side note, is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's an awesome verse. I would love, I have this verse in my my office every day to remind myself, because I'm preaching right now from personal, honest testimony, this is the accusation that I receive from from the enemy. So I have to write this verse, I have to see this verse every day of my life to remind myself, I am his workmanship. I am created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he has prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. So get away, Satan. Satan. There's people that need to know Jesus, and okay, God may close this door, but that doesn't mean he's not going to open another one. In fact, this is the second critical mission mission critical truth I want you to know, is that God is not only calling you, but he's also faithful. Two things. He's faithful to you, but he's also faithful to fulfill his mission. So Paul knew very clearly that he was called. He had a calling that God set him apart. He saved him, and he set him apart to share the gospel, to be a gospel carrier, but that he also knew that God was faithful. God was going to get the gospel around the world. Otherwise, he would not have given the Great Commission in the first place. In fact, you know, if you do a, a fast forward in your Bibles, uh, in the Re- book of Revelation, you'll know this because when there's a scene in the book of Revelation where the- we're all in heaven. It's such a beautiful scene. Everyone is in heaven and we're all worshiping the Lord. And you know what the Bible says specifically about that moment? It says that there's people from every tribe, every nation, from every tongue, and from every ethnicity. So what does that tell me? The gospel is going to go around the world. He's going to get the mission done with or without me. But my <laughs> prayer is, God, use me. Put me in the game. Coach, I want in. I want in. And so should you. It's encouraging to know that the mission's going to be completed. He's going to be faithful. God's called me and he's faithful. Let's go. All right, that's what I want you to see. Now, continue. One more thing mission critical truth to you. Remember when you're in moments like this and you're experiencing closed doors, thirdly, is God, he's going to open another door. God will open a door. See, Paul believed this and that's why he went to Troas. 250 miles away, in the middle of misery, he kept going. So you're trying to share the gospel with your friends, family, whoever your neighbors, and you're just getting slammed in closed door slammed in your face. Keep going. God is going to open up another door. I just heard a test a friend of mine we, was, we were on a a, a date a double date triple date with some friends of ours last night and uh, this particular person said, um, I've been trying to share I, sh- I want to be live missionally. I want to share the gospel in different places and out of nowhere, I was taking something back to a store to return. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel with the clerk who was checking me out. Not checking me out. Checking, checking out. You know what I mean? So, so, so that being said, um, it's such an awesome thing. From where you least expect it, God's going to open up a door. So keep looking. Keep looking. Don't stop looking. Looking for people who are in the hallways. And by the way, be a window watcher. Not a creepy window watcher, but like observe. Observe how God is working in people's lives. Because there's going to be moments where you're noticing people are in a season of depression. There's going to be moments where you're noticing people are going through a season of doubt, um, transition. Those are the moments that gospel usually has the greatest effect. Because people realize, I can't fix me. And those are the moments where the gospel shines brightly. So observe those moments. Look, look, church, because God's going to give them to you. So don't be discouraged. Keep, keep on mission. All right, three critical mission, mission critical truths to remember. When God closes a door, do not force it open. All right, let's get back to the text. I want to show you this too. Um, so, what, what happens um, when God uh, closes these doors? And he, let's see, in verse number nine, you actually see how God opens up another door. Look at this it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying come over to macedonia and help us. and when paul had had seen the vision immediately underline that word immediately in your bible immediately we sought to go into the macedonia concluding that god has called us to preach the gospel to them. such a cool response and this is the second point i want you to i want you to note. so when god closes a door all right don't force it open but we we'll also when God changes your plans, don't delay your obedience. Engage quickly. And that's what you see in this passage. So, so Paul, we hear that he has a vision in the night. Um, the, he has a clear vision. God gives him, you know, we don't know how long he was in uh, Troas. We don't know how long he was waiting, but he knew that God was faithful, that God was going to open up another door, and he did. Gives him the clarity. Okay, God, where am I supposed to go next? And the vision comes, is I want you to go to Macedonia. Mind you macedonia is on the other side of the ocean it's in modern day europe right now they're in the middle east and now he's saying god's saying i want you to go to europe to preach the gospel in a country that you've never been before say what 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 happened to bithynia man what about asia let's go let's go east we went west let's go east god says no i got a different plan for you paul I want to use you to take the gospel to a group of people that you've never even met before, and you're going to have to rely upon me because your typical MO strategy ain't going to work this time, and that's a, it's an awesome thing in church that's exactly what God is going to do with us. when he closes a door, expect that those are the moments when God's getting ready to open up another door for you, and it usually it's going to be a little bit more risky and risk involved i'm going to show you this. Um, I like to get stuff in the mail. Anybody like get to get presents in the mail? Like gifts and stuff? Sometimes Amazon, right? All right, so every now and then you get a gift in the mail um, that's shipped, and they give you this bubble wrap, right? And I, this is like, I'm going to use this as a, an illustration of pr- a proverbial bubble wrap in the Christian life. What we'll do is we'll wrap ourselves up and we'll say, oh, you know, I want to live a mission of life. I want to share the gospel with my friends, with my family members, um, people I know, maybe my neighbors. Um, this is like a rib cage, like protection, right? Perfect for football starting, right? So, so here we've got this bubble wrap, and we live in this insulated bubble of Christianity, but God, what you see in this passage is God saying, take the bubble wrap off, yo. Take it off, because I'm wanting you to trust me and go into Europe that has yet to hear the gospel, and I want to use you to do it. So what there's a little bit of a risk involved here, and this is what I'm, I'm trying to point out. God is going to do the same thing for us in this church, I want you to open up your eyes of opportunity because God's going to open up doors for you and usually that means in the places you least expect it. He may want some of you guys to actually do this whole urban core church planting thing to make disciples in the urban core. Some of you all may be having to move to Shelbyville to go help the church plant out there. I mean, Shelbyville, right? I love Shelbyville. Actually, it is a cool town if you've never been there. Um, just as I mean, think about this. What happens if God... What happens if God, now this is crazy, yo. What happens if God wants you and your small group to actually focus on planting churches in a particular country that's not here, like in India or Africa? Like my small group? Ouch. Really? What about my insulation? I'm gonna be traveling. where I don't have the money. I can't do that. How do I know if God's calling me? Well, look what happened in the text. There's something very cool that happened in this passage in verse number 10 specifically. Okay, so we got this immediate response. I'm willing to go. He wakes up with the ring. Let's go. But notice the personal pronoun right after the word immediately. We, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to go. Church, who's writing this book? Luke. Luke is writing this book. Up to this point, guys, Luke has been telling a history story. This is what has happened in Apostle Paul's life. This is what happened in the early days of the church. This is what And verse 10, now we have the, the, the Luke actually saying, I'm there. I'm actually here now. This is, I'm actually here. What's so special about that? Luke was a physician by trade. He was a medical doctor. So how could Paul know if I'm supposed to go to Mass. Across the ocean. I'm not in great health right now. I'm a little older right now, God. I don't know that I should be doing this. And God says, I've already got it covered. Meet Luke. Right here it happened. So how do I know if God's calling me to go to a different country? How do I know if I'm supposed to share the gospel with my, my employee that I hired two days ago? How do I know if I'm supposed to? These are uncomfortable. God provides the people. He'll provide the resources necessary so that you can go to fulfill his plan every time. So how do I know? If, in other words, God eliminates the excuses. He starts popping your insulation. Is what he starts doing. Moses, I can't speak, God. I have a stammering tongue. Aaron's going to speak for you. Why, God? I don't know how to do it. I'll provide the means. You follow. Just the only thing you need to focus on is obeying me immediately. Listen to this quote by a, a popular theologian back in the 1600s. His name is uh, Matthew Henry. Listen to this quote. This is, uh, if you ever, he's got a very popular um, commentary series. You can find this in, the, in this particular section. He says, note God's calls must be complied with immediately. I wonder if I could speak like him. As our obedience must not be disrupted or disputed, so it must not be deferred. Don't defer obedience. Do it today, lest thy heart be hardened. Do you hear that? Some of you right now in this very moment know that God is popping your insulation. Obey him. Do not delay, do it immediately. It's uncomfortable to talk about Jesus in different seasons of life. I know that, but remember, God is faithful. You are called and he's gonna open the door for you. Don't ex- this is where we experience the mission drift right here. God, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't know what to say. I stutter over my words, I, I seem like a fool when I tell people about Jesus. I've got it covered. Just go. I'm telling you, God's going to do some crazy things in our church in the upcoming weeks, and you're going to be asked to do something. You're wearing the shirts. I am sent because we believe it. We believe it. You believe it. So lean in, all right? So when God closes a door, don't force it open. When God changes plans, your plans, don't delay your obedience. Now I want you to see what happens in verse number 11 when they show up um, on the scene. So let's look at it. Verse 11 says, So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to uh, Samothrace. I don't hear how to say that. And, so, and following days uh, to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. All right, so here we have the Apostle Paul obeying. He, he, he takes sail over to Macedonia, just like he was supposed to in the vision. Gets there, he doesn't have an, he doesn't have an ex- accepted, nobody's cheering him on as he gets on the shore. Hey, the Apostle Paul's here, we're gonna, none of that. He's in a completely different city. Uh, in fact, uh, he's go, his typical MO, he goes to the largest city. And the reason why he's going to largest city is because he's hoping to find a synagogue there. He would always go to a synagogue, start with the Jews, explain the scriptures to them. This is why Jesus had to come, he's fulfilling the Old Testament law. The whole purpose of the Ten Commandments is to reveal to you, you don't have what it takes. You need a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That's what he's doing, typically. But here, we're told that when he arrives there, there's no clue. Where, he doesn't know where he's supposed to go. He just knows I'm going to the biggest city. Um, at the time, in Philippi is the city he was in, in, uh, in. Verse number 13, look at what happened. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Now, hold on a minute. Weren't they looking for synagogues? Yeah, there were none. It was a heathen city. There were a few Jews, but not enough to have a synagogue. Jewish custom made, law said, in order to have a synagogue, you have to have 10, at least 10 Jewish men in the city. Then you can build and erect an actual uh, uh, sanctuary or a tabernacle for the Sabbath. Then you could do that. So that tells us clearly that there weren't even 10 Jewish men at Philippi at this time. But what we do find is a group of women. So all the ladies in the house, here we go. Check this out. This is so cool, guys. Okay. Um, so he, he gets there. He finds that there's a group of ladies meeting out by the river, and they're praying. And so he sits down, verse 13, he sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. He's doing the same thing. His typical life. This is the Old Testament. This is the, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Look at verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. Interesting note. Thyatira is in Asia where Paul wanted to go before, but God told him no. Just a note there. We'll come back to that. So Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. So these people, were they were, trying, they were worshiping God. They understood that, G, that God, the Father, was the only true God. They didn't know about Jesus or understand him very much. So um, the Lord opened her heart. Open, or underline that phrase in your Bible. Opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right, so some amazing things happen here. And what I want you to notice is your third point. So when God, first, first of all, when God closes the door, don't force it open. Don't try to shove the gospel down people's throats. When God changes your plans, don't delay your obedience. Thirdly, when God opens a person's heart, don't neglect to disciple them don't neglect to disciple them and that's exactly what we see happening in this passage right here so here the the bible says that this woman we're introduced there's kind of something cool happened up to this point the holy spirit has been spotlighting the apostle paul timothy luke silas all these guys and now what happens here is the spotlight shifts and the holy spirit shining a spotlight a tractor beam right on lydia specifically and what's so cool about that is we're told about how her response to the gospel so she, right away, her heart is opened to Jesus. Her heart is opened to the gospel. Um, and it, we're told uh, that um, her, her initial, she reacts with a lot of hunger. Like, I want to know more about this Jesus. I mean, I believe this message. I believe what, th- that Jesus is the only hope of my salvation. I want that. And so um, I want you to notice for a couple of things here. First, when she believed, the Bible says in verse, I believe it's uh, verse uh, 15, first thing that happens, what does she do? The Bible says that once she believed the gospel, she was what, church? Baptized. She was baptized. Let me ask you a question. How did she know that the next thing she was supposed to do after believing in Jesus was to be baptized? Somebody had to teach her, right? Right? Somebody, one of the apostles, or Apostle Paul, or one of these other guys, had to sit down and explain to Lydia once you trust Jesus, the first step of your obedience is to go public with it. Like tell people that you are a follower of Jesus without being ashamed. Be publicly baptized. Well, she learned that because she was taught that. And then continue, it says, we're told that she, her whole household was baptized as well. That means she got the, the evangelism bug. She got saved, then she gets baptized, and then she's going around telling her household about Jesus. And they get saved, and now they're getting baptized. Question, how did she know that she was supposed to evangelize and tell other people about the gospel? She was taught. All right, and the last thing, look at this. Um, we're told that she, you see this urging. She urges the apostle Paul and these other guys to come stay with her because she was a seller of purple, implying that she was a wealthy woman. Of stature. She had a lot of wealth. She had a lot of money. She had a lot of means to provide. She had a big home. And guys, you don't have to live as vagabonds while you're here in Philippi. Stay with me. I mean, I, you can have your own private room, and you can do your own private study and stuff, and just stay here. There's this radical gospel generosity that she is displaying. Church, I'm going to ask you to respond to this. How did she know to do that? She was, she was taught. Think back to the Great Commission. I want you to go, I want you to baptize, and I want you to teach. What is discipleship? We use that term so much around our church. I exist to to glorify God by making disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? It means to teach people how to follow Jesus. What you don't see happening in this passage, which is typical for our generation, when you are able to lead someone to the Lord, listen, don't lean out. Lean back in right now. Listen to this. Because what you're going to be tempted to do when God uses you to share the gospel with somebody and he opens their heart to the gospel, you put a lot of celebration in that moment. They're saved. They're saved. And maybe you'll bring them to church, but the temptation is to check out. To check out while they're on their own. I did my job. I did my job. They're saved. I led, they, I led them to Christ. That's it. That's not what we were commanded to do. And that's not what we see happening in this passage paul silas timothy and luke they leaned in when they got saved when she trusted the lord they leaned in and taught her hear me when i say this church when god opens the door for you and god uses you to share the gospel that's when you need to lean in the most see i don't know how to teach people how to follow jesus Just you. You have a relationship with Jesus and you walk with them and show them how you have a relationship with Jesus. And their life is going to change. See, but I struggle with cussing and I struggle with doubt and I struggle with fear. Share that with them. Hey, what does that tell you? I'm not perfect. I need Jesus too. I need the gospel too every day. Let's do this together. That's what you have happening here in church. I believe wholeheartedly God is going to use us to share the gospel with people. God's going to open doors for us as we live this sent life. And church, lean in. Don't neglect to disciple them when God does a glorious work. We're getting ready to sing a song. Um, this we know. We sang it as we, heard. we started the service. This is the lyrics of the song. I'm going to ask you to stand. Ask you to stand on your feet as we get ready to, uh, to sing this song together. Listen to this song so good this we know we will see the enemy run come on church come on listen to this as you take that step of faith and as you are uh, reminding yourself of these mission critical truths and satan's coming at you saying you're a failure you're a loser you don't know how to share the gospel stop it you're a hypocrite remind yourself i am called he is faithful and he's going to open a door that's what I know. And the enemy will run. He will run because you're a deadly weapon. Think about how many people are in this room right now. Think about what God can do with us as we live sent. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. People will, be known, people will know Christ. People will be discipled. So we hold on to every promise that God ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing come on church come on church, that's some good stuff what I want to do right now, I could think of no better way than to end this service with our eyes lifted up, calling out to God saying, we know we need you God help us live this sent life that you've called us to this is what it looks like to live a missional life help us God, where we are weak so we can follow you let's do it, let's pray Lord, I pray specifically that you God would do a glorious work I pray specifically that you will help us to respond to this call to be sent out and to be gospel carriers. Lord, you are doing it just like you did it with Paul. You're gonna close the doors for us, God. You're gonna, you're gonna purposely allow things to happen only so that you can open up other doors for us. Give us eyes to see those doors, God. Help us to respond immediately with obedience when you do show us those. And God, I pray specifically that we will celebrate what you do as you lead people to Jesus. And I pray that many disciples will continue to be made through Harvest Indy South on the south side of Indianapolis. And the church said, Amen.